Good afternoon. Uh, my name is Cindy Ferrani. I am a student psychologist at the University of the Free State. Today I've compiled um, a podcast for you which is about loss and self-compassion and I worked on it with Monique Bassan, Sinegu Guzungu and Siandam Klom who are also student psychologists. Um, as I've already mentioned, I'm talking to you. I'll be talking to you about um, loss and loss and self-compassion. Grief is often portrayed as one feeling, but it, it includes a range of emotions and reactions which affect how we think and behave. Although it is extremely painful, grief is a normal response to any loss, and it is a way of helping us heal. In addition to the loss of a loved one, is the feelings of grief over the loss of um our lives as in our normal routines the stay at home regulations implemented in the country aimed at lowering the spread of covid 19 has been affecting people's jobs education and the ability to travel worship and be with our loved ones amongst a lot of things the disruption in the normal routines of everyday life contributes to the lingering unease and sadness increased anxiety or fears and physical symptoms such as headaches stress amongst other things the whole world is mourning as we are all going through a collective loss of the world we knew and grieving for the lives uh, grieving for the things we have not lost yet this can be referred to as anticipatory grief which refers to a feeling of grief occurring before an impending loss People who are experiencing this type of grief can feel sadness over the impending loss, fear of what will happen, anger over the situation, and feelings of isolation and loneliness. Most of us, if not all, had goals and expectations of experiences that we were looking forward to, such as graduation, such as traveling with our family, um, traveling with our friends, or just experiencing new things in a new environment. But we have lost that experience. We have lost those expectations due to the coronavirus pandemic. Therefore, it is important we give permission, we give ourselves permission to mourn and to treat ourselves and others with kindness during this difficult time. And most of the people who are affected by the coronavirus, as in people who have tested positive, they, they are usually forced into social isolation or and this can be done at home or at certain places like hospitals. However, people who are at home who are social distancing also experience loneliness. Loneliness is often described as the state of being without any company or in isolation from the community or society. It is a dark and miserable feeling, a risk factor for many psychological disorders such as depression, anxiety, adjustment disorders, and others. This, this COVID-19 pandemic seems to have brought our frenzied speed of modern society to a grinding halt and has stopped most social interaction. Under the social restrictions, individuals are forced to reconcile with this terrifying reality of isolation, which could contribute to an increase in domestic violence. Social isolation and lockdown-related rules have further contributed to fatigue and have decreased performance in healthcare workers. The extended ex experience of boredom and loneliness leads to anger, frustration, and emotional outbursts in many people throughout the world. 
For those who are already experiencing loneliness, the social distancing required to stop the pandemic only further raises their feelings of social isolation. And that the lockdown has also impacted cultural practices that are done during funerals. The rules and regulations that have been implemented to curb the spread of COVID-19 has prevented some of the African cultures from being able to freely practice and complete their rituals. The practice of these rituals have an effect on our grieving processes as they are not just rituals that assist with the resting of the loved ones and transitioning into the spiritual realm to join the ancestors, but they also assist us to find closure and to reach a point of acceptance. It assures us that they are at peace and will successfully join the other family members who have passed on. Having the freedom to complete these rituals also brings peace that as a family we are able to give a loved we were able to give our loved ones a respectable warm funeral send off which is nothing like the funerals held held during this pandemic which are raged cold and distant because you find that the restrictions are that the funeral must be done or concluded within three days and only 50 people are allowed and if the deceased was infected with coronavirus there's usually no funeral at all whatsoever people are not allowed at the burial site so people perceive that as cold and it basically worsens their grieving process therefore it is important that during this difficult time of the covid 19 pandemic that as family members we should not burden ourselves with the feeling of guilt about being unable to complete the burial rituals on time as the circumstances do not permit but instead learn to be compassionate to what towards one another as a family and towards ourselves we have all gone through the stages of grief due to many different things during this global covid 19 pandemic such as losing a loved one the loss of our social freedom the loss of the un the loss of the expected outcomes of the year and and this has been affecting how we are living our lives with most of the things that COVID-19 has, has had an influence on, we are faced with the stages of grief. Um, the first stage of grief is denial. We have all been in denial where we thought life made no sense, had no meaning, and it was extremely overwhelming. Being in denial is initially a good thing, but instead of becoming completely overwhelmed with grief, we deny it, do not accept it, and we basically have the impact at that particular time. This denial is mostly due to shock and it's understandable considering that we have never experienced this kind of virus that has had such an impact on our lives, especially the lockdown. After that, we, after denial, we usually experience what is called anger. We become angry at the changes. We become angry at the rules, at the world, and at the government. It is often during this stage that we might look to blame others for the cause of our grief. We may also redirect our anger to close friends and family for not being readily available when we need them. Again, a brief period of anger is necessary as it binds us to the reality of our lives. After being angry, we then go to bargaining. This is where people pray to their god or gods or some higher power that they believe in. Bargaining may sound like 
God, if you end this pandemic, I will be a better student or I will spend quality time with my family. This is a point where you are desperate to get your life back to how it was before the grief event and you are willing to make a major life change in an attempt toward normality. After bargaining, we usually experience what is called depression. This stage represents the emptiness we feel when we are living and realize that the deceased or the situation, which could be expectations of the year, experiences, physical, um, social interaction is not possible right now. In this stage, people might withdraw from life, feel numb, and they might feel all blue and down and might not even want to get out of bed. After this stage, after the stage has begun to subside, we begin to accept. We begin to re-enter reality. And it is most likely not the reality we were used to, but it is a new reality. And we realize that we can actually handle it. And after this stage of finding, after the stage, of of acceptance we usually move to what is known as finding meaning we begin to realize that light can exist in some of the darkest moments grief is often portrayed as one feeling but it includes a range of emotions the collective loss that covid 19 has imposed on all of us includes waking up every morning with a different state of mind and virtually trying to hold each other's hands there is a significant loss of normal physical connection work routine physical touch gathering for meals worship all of these aspects have been devastated the importance however is to name these losses the meaning is not in the death or the loss but in what we do afterwards the meaning is in us that is how it is with practicing and understanding self-compassion that one can be able to find meaning amongst all of these losses I have spoken to you about different losses that people are experiencing during this time and I've spoken to you about the stages of grief that you may have been experiencing since the beginning of lockdown in March. Now, how can you cope with all of these losses? How can you cope while it seems like living is so difficult or almost impossible at this time? We can cope during this time using or practicing self-compassion. Self-compassion is extending compassion to ourselves in instances of perceived inadequacy, failure, or general suffering. Self-compassion consists of the main three components, which are self-kindness, mindfulness, and common humanity. During this worldwide pandemic and the hardships, adversity, struggles, and the pain it has directly and indirectly caused, it has become increasingly evident that we need more self-compassion. Self-compassion has been proven to have crucial benefits on mental health. Individuals with a strong disposition towards self-compassion have been found to have better acceptance for negative experiences and the ability to move past negative or difficult emotions. Self-compassion is consistently linked to predicting lower levels of anxiety and depression. It has also been associated with a range of positive psychological strengths, including optimism, curiosity, initiativeness, and emotional intelligence. The first aspect of practicing self-compassion is self-kindness. Self-kindness refers to a kind attitude 
a kind attitude towards oneself in times of difficult suffering, adversity, and stress. And stress, it includes treating oneself with the same care and understanding one would treat other people. When a friend calls you crying because something terrible has happened, people tend to be very kind by comforting the friend. Self-kindness is giving yourself that same kindness that you give to other people. When something goes wrong, when you're feeling down, negative about the experiences that the negative experiences that you've been going through this year, and when you're not in your best spirit, ask yourself, what would I say to a friend? How would I help a friend? And usually when you're thinking of a friend, you think of great things, you think of positive things. And the truth of the matter is you deserve the same kindness that you give to other people. And it is important to practice that. And the second aspect of practicing self-compassion is mindfulness. Mindfulness is a non-judgmental, receptive mind state in which thoughts and feelings are observed as they are without suppressing or denying them. You cannot ignore your pain and feel compassion for it at the same time. It is not possible. Mindfulness teaches people to notice the difficult thoughts and emotions that arise in present moment awareness for them to be experienced with kindness, acceptance, and non-judgment. There are different techniques that you can engage in in order to practice mind mindfulness, such as yoga, mindfulness, yoga, you can also practice meditation. To engage in a mindful self-compassion practice, you must first explore and understand the barriers you might have that prevent you from experiencing self-compassion. This will be entirely dependent on your individual life experiences and beliefs. One way to do this is to reflect on the core negative beliefs you usually hold about yourself. So what you can do here is to write them down write those negative emotions or thoughts down then ask yourself how does it make you feel once it's written down when did you first develop this belief what experiences are connected to it what external experiences or situations trigger this belief about yourself who encourages this belief about yourself how would your life look if you did not believe this about yourself the last aspect of self-compassion is practicing common humanity. Common humanity speaks to gaining full acceptance and, understand, and understanding of the fact that every individual has personal faults and flaws and that failure or misfortune is not an experience that happens to oneself alone. By understanding this, you can connect with other people in society who have experienced hardships instead of withdrawing, isolating, and being preoccupied with personal feelings and self-pity. We are all going through this pandemic and have experienced a loss of some kind in one way or another. Realizing common humanity is not about devaluing your, experiencing, your, your experiences, but it is about letting yourself know that you are not alone in this and that you are not the first person to go through this. Reaching out to other people can actually make you realize that you are not alone at feeling pain during difficult times. It is important. It is an important part of reaffirming our sense of connectedness, reframing our perceived problems within the bigger picture and building social support networks that are valuable to our well-being. Um, now I've spoken to you about practicing self-compassion through self-kindness mindfulness and common humanity. So now I'm going to 
combine all the strategies and give you one intervention that you can actually try out. Um, this is known as self-compassion journal. Try keeping a daily self-compassion journal for one week or longer if you like. Journaling is, a, is an effective way to express emo emotions and it has been found to enhance both mental and physical well-being. At some point during the evening when you have a few quiet moments, review the day's events in your journal, write down anything you felt bad about, anything you judged yourself for, or any difficult experience that caused you pain. For instance, perhaps you got angry at your close friends because they have not been frequently checking on you during this pandemic and you are starting to question the friendships with you. You made a rude comment the last time you spoke to them and afterwards you felt ashamed and embarrassed. For each event, use mindfulness, a sense of common humanity and kindness to process the event in a more self-compassionate way. So the first aspect is mindfulness um, during this journaling. This will mainly involve bringing awareness to the painful emotions that arose due to your self-judgment or difficult circumstances. Write about how you felt that is sadness, um, shame, frightened, stressed, and so on. As you write, try to be accepting and non-judgmental of your experience of your experiences by not belittling it or not making it overly dramatic. For example, I was frustrated because my friends were not checking in on me to see if I'm doing well or not. And not even they didn't even send a simple text. I got angry, I overreacted and felt foolish afterwards. Then move to common humanity. Write down the ways in which your experience was is connected or was connected to the larger human experience. This might include acknowledging that being human means being imperfect and that all people have these sorts of painful experiences. For example, everyone overreacts at times. It is only human. Be careful not to normalize this as an excuse for your unpleasant behavior. You may also want to think about the various causes and conditions underlying the painful event. For example, my frustration was worsened by the fact that I was really down and just wanted somebody to talk to. It would be nice for somebody to just ask me how I am doing. If the circumstances have been different, my reaction probably would have been different as well. Then move to self-kindness. Write, write to yourself some kind, understanding words of comfort. Let yourself know that you care about yourself and you are gentle with an assuring tone. For example, it's okay, you messed up, it wasn't the end of the world, I understand how frustrated you were you, and you just lost it. Maybe you can try being extra understanding next time because everyone is going through something at this time and perhaps I should also reach out when I feel the need to talk to my friends. Practicing the three components of self-compassion with this writing exercise will help you organize your thoughts and emotions while helping to encode them in your memory. If you keep a journal regularly, your self-compassion practice will become even stronger and translate it more easily into your daily life. Whether it is a loss of a loved one, the loss of performing cultural rituals um, during funerals, the loss of social interactions, these tips or techniques 
of practicing self-compassion can really assist in coping with the added stress, anxiety, and uncertainty that COVID-19 pandemic has left upon us all. Remember that you cannot pour from an empty cup. When something usually goes wrong with our friends, loved ones, or other people who are close to us, we usually jump in order to assist them in any way possible. We usually go an extra mile, but we don't do the same for ourselves. So self-compassion is an opportunity for you to recharge. It's an opportunity for you to love yourself by being kind to yourself.